Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Welcome, everybody. God bless all of you. Uh, thanks for joining with us all over the world today. We appreciate you. God bless you, and I hope you are doing well. Look at someone and say, run swiftly. I'll say it one more time. Run swiftly. You know, this is a, a term that uh, used in the Greek would be talking about uh, someone who runs a race. But running swiftly has a little different aspect to it. Running swiftly means that, that the runner who runs the race is able to run swiftly because obstacles have been removed. Hindrances have been removed. Walls that would have kept them from proceeding, you know, holes, pitfalls, all of the trouble and all of the trash uh, on the race course has been removed and dealt with so that the runner can run without hindrance. It's also called free course. In one of the translations, the, the uh, King James translation calls it free course. Okay. Run swiftly. Today we're going to be going to the book of 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Thessalonians, not 2 Corinthians. Uh, I'll talk about Corinth in a moment, though. I have Corinth on my mind. Uh, we're going to be going to the book in the New Testament, 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to look specifically at chapter 3. But before we get there, let me tell you that I have a word that God gave me yesterday, and it's for someone here. Okay, I tried to remove it from my notes several times because it doesn't fit in anything else I'm saying, but uh, unable to do so, let me just give you what I believe is the word of the Lord for someone. You know, not everyone, but for someone. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me yesterday and told me that it's not over until God says it's over. Whatever that means to you, uh, you can take that as a word from the Lord. It's not over until God says it's over. Thus says the Lord, it's not over until he says it's over. So if you are in the middle of something and wrestling and struggling with it, and it's not currently like it needs to be, realize that God's not finished yet. Put it in his hands, keep it in his hands, keep trusting him, and watch God. God can turn impossible things into possible things beyond your wildest imaginations, beyond all you could think or ask, the Bible says. God is able to do more than that. You can ask God for things that are impossible things that are according to his will, that line up with his word, that you know, it has been provided by the cross of Calvary. These things God will do. And so just uh, take that, if that is for you, that God is not finished yet. It's not over until God says it's over. All right. Have you found 2 Thessalonians yet? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let me catch you up here on just a little bit of history, all right? Uh, the Apostle Paul is about 45 years old when he first sets foot in Thessalonica. Thessalonica is a city in modern-day Greece. And it was the second city that the Apostle Paul preached in in Europe. The Apostle Paul had, had been traveling around what is now Turkey and he received this vision 
to come over to Europe, to come over to Macedonia and help us. And so, you know, realizing that it was the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he sailed across that part of the Aegean Sea. He showed up at a place called Philippi. And he preached at Philippi. Well, even though people got saved, <clears throat> and even though he started a great church at Philippi, nonetheless, things didn't go too good for him there. Okay? It ended up that at Philippi, the apostle Paul and Silas got put in jail, got put in prison, and they were beaten, and they were put into stocks, and they were, you know, I mean, I mean it, it was a bad thing. You can read about it in Acts chapter 16. And then they prayed at the midnight hour, you know, the prisoners were listening, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden, an earthquake came, and, and it opened up the prison doors, and it was an amazing miracle, and more people got saved, even the jailer and all of his household. But... Things still didn't go too well for the Apostle Paul. He was brought out of prison and he was asked, in fact, reasonably forced to leave the city. And so he left Philippi. And he walked, led by the Holy Spirit. He passed through a couple of different towns, but he walked about a hundred miles. That's a long way to walk. Yeah. And he came to this large port city of the Roman Empire called Thessalonica. Let's read in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. This is the second letter that he had written back to this church. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. Run swiftly. That the word of the Lord, pray for us, he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course, may run like a runner that is unhindered by obstacles. Run like a runner that is not concerned about falling into pits or having to climb over walls or, or someone erecting barriers. Help us, pray for us, that when we preach the word of the Lord, that the word of the Lord would have free course, unhindered, unfettered, swift opportunity to run its course. Wow. And be glorified. Glorified. How is the word of God glorified? The word of God is only glorified when people receive it. Yeah. That's what... He's talking about that, that, that the word of God would be accepted and received and heard and embraced and, 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 and lived. Oh, he, he's saying pray for us. You see, the apostle Paul had been gone from Thessalonica just a little less than three years. The, the Bible tells us that he went to Thessalonica, walked that hundred miles. He entered into that city. And he went to the synagogue for three Sabbaths, three weeks. And there he, he did his best to persuade those attending the synagogue in Thessalonica. He was trying to persuade them that Jesus is Messiah. And, well, the end result is, is that he didn't get to spend a lot of time there. He went from there on a few other places, ending up at Corinth about a year and a half later. 
about the year A.D. 52. He's about 46 or 47 years old. And he writes a letter back to the church in Thessalonica. He had only got to spend a short time with them. So he writes a letter to them, and he instructs them and encourages them, and he gives them some commands of things that they should do. And then in less than a year later, he writes this letter from Corinth. And he tells them, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Just as it is with you? What an interesting statement. Just as it is with you. Pray that, that the word of the Lord might have free course and, and that the word of the Lord might be glorified, accepted, received, embraced, and lived just as it happened and just as it is happening in your life. Acts 17 gives us the account of the Apostle Paul arriving in Thessalonica where he would only spend perhaps three weeks, maybe a, maybe a few more days than that, but not many days. He makes a very brief initial investment in these people. Acts 17 verse 4 tells us a little about it. Hold your place in, in 2 Thessalonians, we're coming back. Acts 17 4 says this, when he arrived in Thessalonica and he went to the, to, to the synagogue for three Sabbaths and he, 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 he was teaching them. It, it says in verse 4, And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious. Do you know envy? Jealousy drives so many people to go against God, to go against his word, to go against his commands. Envy and jealousy, that's the very thing that, that, that crucified Christ was the religious of that day were so envious, so jealous. It's the very thing that, 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 that hindered the apostle Paul, that they were envious and they were jealous and so they would come out and, 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 and try to tear him down, you know, you don't have to tear one thing down to build up another. But the devil seldom seems to build one thing up. He always tries to tear something down. The Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar. You know, every indication from the word is that the Apostle Paul only got to spend just a few days in Thessalonica. Very little time with the believers there. And yet, they became one of the most powerful and one of the most influential churches in all of Europe. As he writes to them the first letter, 1 Thessalonians, and the second letter, we are so blessed to have both of those, we can see that, that the Apostle Paul is so happy that something has happened in their life. In the brief time that he got to spend with them and in the brief letter that he wrote to them at first, he is so happy. It looks like they have embraced it. It looks like something has happened in their life. That's why he writes, just as it is with you. Let's, let's read this again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord might run swiftly and be glorified 
just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Wow, unreasonable and wicked men. Pray for us that, that, that the word of the Lord might have free course, that the hindrances, that the obstacles, that those things which keep the word of God from running swiftly, those things that keep the word of God from being embraced and glorified, those things that, 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 that cause the word of God to have trouble in lives or in communities or in nations or generations, pray that those things would be removed. Let me submit to you that today... There are a number of hindrances to the Word of God having free course and being glorified in the world. You know, not everyone loves and receives and believes the Word of God, and not everyone believes that you need to go around telling people about it. Not everyone around the world allows the Word of God free course. In fact, I would dare say that even in our lives individually, Perhaps we also are tempted at times to create hindrances that we may not recognize, but put up some obstacles to the Word of God, having free course and being glorified. I know we wouldn't mean to at all, but sometimes when people read the Bible and they read something in the Word of God and it says, for example, uh, you know, uh, uh, talks about healing or talks about prosperity or talks about forgiveness or, 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 or talks about uh, peace or patience or talks about honoring your father and your mother, sometimes even in our own minds we can go, well, you don't know what they did. Boom, hindrance, obstacle, throwing up something. And the Bible says, you know, be kind, uh, boom, you know, I don't want to, you know, love, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to love, I don't want to forgive, I don't want to, I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, hello, am I talking to anybody? Do y'all understand what a hindrance to the free course of the gospel looks like? We at times can even do it, whether verbally or just, you know, spiritually, we, we, we may exude some spirit if we're not watchful, that is a hindrance to the free course of the gospel and to the word of God being glorified, being accepted, received, embraced, experienced. How in the world could we ever do that for someone else? I mean, who would want to be caught, you know, watering down the word or, or being a hindrance to God's word in someone else's life? But have you ever heard someone say, well, I believe that God's going to do this for me. And you go, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll believe that when we see it. Hello? <laughs> Come on now. It's more common. Hindrances, unreasonable and even wicked. Unreasonable hindrances to the Word of God are, are obstacles that we might put up in our own life to wonder, or perhaps, whenever God you know, says, you know, I, I love you, I care about you, I have a plan for your life, and you're going, oh, does God love me? You know, I mean, the, the hindrances to the Word of God having the ability to run swiftly into our lives, to run swiftly into our minds, run swiftly into our hearts, or perhaps to run swiftly into our families or swiftly into our friends or to have free course in our community or our church or, or our nation. Somehow, I mean, do, do, do we believe that God can do anything? Nothing is impossible with God. Now, if someone is thinking, well, yeah, but, okay, that word but is a hindrance. Your butt is a hindrance to God. 
get your butt out of the way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where else can you go and get this much from for only a quarter? Okay. We don't mean to. It's, but yet, if we're not watchful, we can become the unreasonable person. Because it's unreasonable to resist what the Word of God wants to do in your life. Whenever you are hurting, there is a voice of the Holy Spirit saying, I will help you, I will help you, I will help you. And whenever we battle that and saying, I'm never going to get better, I'm never going to get better, I'm never going to get better, we keep throwing up hindrances, unreasonable to combat the Word of God in our own life, in our own minds, or, or in someone else's life. But there are also wicked attempts, not just unreasonable, but wicked. Some people are just people who tear things down. They just do. There are some wicked people, wicked things that are being done that are hindrances to the free course of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul is asking, he's asking the church in Thessalonica. You see, he saw something in that church. He saw something amazing in that church. And, and he's writing a letter back to them saying, you know, basically, you know, I, I was only with you for a few days. I only made one small initial investment. And yet what I have seen in you, I want you to pray because I want that same anointing that is in your church to be in my life and everywhere I go. I want you to pray that the word of the Lord would be able to have free course, would be able to run swiftly and be embraced and received and accepted and, 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 you know, trusted in just like it is in you. I want that here. And, and, I, and I want to be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not everyone is going to trust the Word of God at face value. But, verse 3, the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. The Lord is faithful that even with, 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 with wicked attempts to keep you from the word, God will guard your heart from the wicked hindrances that try to keep the word of God from your life. Verse 4, and we, Paul and Silas, his company that was with him, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Well, he loved this church in Thessalonica. He is commending them. He's crediting them. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command. Oh, my goodness. We have confidence that you are doing and that we'll, you, you will continue to do those things that we have commanded you to do in the Lord. Now may the Lord direct your hearts. Well, here's a good two-point sermon if you ever want one. Into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Now may God direct your hearts. May the Lord direct your hearts. May he guide your hearts into the love of God. You see, that has got to be one key to giving the word of God free course in our lives. 
and free course in our community and free course in our church and free course in our family and free course in our world has got to be that our hearts are guided into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. We need to be loving and we need to be patient. Interesting in verse 4 where he said, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and you will continue doing the things we command. What things did he command them? He was only there just a few weeks. In order to find out uh, what, what the apostle Paul commanded them to do, in order to find out what they did, in order to be so commended, in order to find out you know, the, the commands they were given that they embraced, in order to find out how they glorified the word of God, we need to know what the word of the Lord was to them. We need to know what Paul commanded them. We can only have two ways to do that. We either have to go back and visit those three weeks that he was there, or else we we can read the first letter that he sent to them. Since we can't go back to those first three weeks, thank God we have the letter. Look with me in this letter, the first letter that he sent to them, of which he is making reference here to the things he had commanded them to do in that first letter. He said, I have confidence, and me and my buddies, we have confidence in you that you are doing what we said and that you will continue to do what we said. Let's find out what he said. In fact, let's go to, the, to, to near the end of that first letter, chapter 5, in fact. Okay? And let's read some things that the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had commanded these believers in Thessalonica to do. Let's, let's go there and see what it is that was the key to their maturity. You see, he had only spent a short time, maybe, maybe, maybe even just, just three weeks, perhaps. If, if more than that, just a few days. And yet he had seen them in less than three years grow to maturity and grow to be a church that was reaching their world for Christ. He wanted them to pray for him that the same thing could happen in other places that he had seen happen there. Let's see what he commanded them to do. In 1 Thessalonians 5, let's look at verse 14 and begin there. I encourage you to read the whole, uh, read both letters. They are, they are very inspiring. But here are the commands that he has given the Christians in Thessalonica. He said in verse 14, now we exhort you, we encourage you, we, 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 we beseech you, we command you, we instruct you. Brethren, warn those who are unruly. Well, you know, that evidently has a, is a pretty good little rule of thumb. Okay? I exhort you, warn those who are unruly. Well, that sounds pretty good. I, I'm real good at that. <laughs> it is a responsibility. And he says, comfort the faint-hearted. These are commands. These are just simple commands. You know, encourage people around you to do what's right. And comfort the faint-hearted. And uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. You know, that's a command. That's, that's instructions from the Holy Spirit. Rejoice always. Always be in a place to where you are rejoicing in the Lord. And he said also, in everything give thanks. Oh, well, verse 17, pray without ceasing. And then in everything give thanks, for this is the will of of God in Christ Jesus 
for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 22, abstain from every form of evil. Wow. There's a pretty good little list of commands there. I think if we just took this and hung it on our wall and read it every morning and, 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 and just lived by that particular gospel creed, that we would do well in life. I could write an exhaustive commentary on every one of these admonitions in this packet passage. They are commands from the Apostle Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit, and therefore these commands are the living word of Almighty God. And he said to allow the word to have free course, to run you know, swiftly into our lives, into the lives of others that we impact. Let us pray, he said, that, that, that there would be no hindrances to these things. These are pretty tall orders, by the way. Suffice it to say that we need to be above the persecutions, above the hindrances, above the obstacles that stand in our way to glorifying the word of God. We need to be above those things that, that, that we would say to ourselves or other people would say to us or about us. We need to be above such things because if not, we will not be able to run swiftly and allow the Word of God to be glorified in our lives above the threats of unreasonable and wicked men. We need to direct our hearts into the love of and into the patience of Almighty God and Christ His Son. Warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient to all men. Do not render evil for evil to anyone. Wow. You know, these are commands. If somebody does you wrong, don't do them wrong back. He's saying to the church in Thessalonica, these commands I have given you, you have done. And we have confidence in you, that you are doing what we ask you to do and that you will continue to do what we ask you to do. And for that reason, it is seen worldwide. I have witnessed it and everyone else that the Word of God has free course in your life and in your community and in your church and you're not hindered by those things which are obstacles to others, unreasonable and even wicked obstacles. Why? Because you do not render evil for evil to anyone, but you're always pursuing what is good, both for yourself and for everyone else. Now, here's where I'm getting to the end of my message. So this is the real important part. I've said all that to get a chance to say this. Every one of us will experience temptations and challenges in our lives. We will be tempted to fall short of what God wants us to do. We will be tempted to be unkind, impatient. We will be tempted to not have mercy on someone. When God might encourage us to have mercy, if we are not watchful, we will say in our own minds, well, they don't deserve mercy. Listen, if you deserve it, it's not mercy. <laughs> Hello? It's reward if you deserve it. And the Bible says reward those who deserve it, but have mercy on those who don't. 
Every one of us will be challenged to love an enemy or to do good to someone who has done us wrong. Every one of us will be tempted to not forgive, to not be patient, not be kind, not be merciful, not be loving, not be caring. We all, every child of God is tempted and challenged and at times falls short of what God wants us to do. But every child of God has the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And that Holy Spirit will convict us, not condemn us, but convict us when we do not please the Lord. When we think wrong, speak wrong, when we act ungodly, that agent of God, the Holy Spirit, will cause us to feel wrong. And that is an encouragement from God for us to repent. And, and, and children of God, we are overcomers. We can overcome having been wrong. We can overcome having been done wrong. Okay? Because the conviction of God is an encouragement for us to repent and to get back on the right road with God. 1 John 1 9 is the Christian's favorite you know, friend. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. How many times will God wipe your sin away whenever you fall short of his expectation? He will do it every time. Okay? And he will encourage you just like he encouraged the woman who was caught in adultery. Go your way and don't do it again. He didn't say it's okay, don't worry about it. He said, go and don't do it again. I'm not condemning you, but I am correcting you. Don't do it again. Now, that's what we will receive as a child of God. And we should end every trial. We should, as Christians, as believers, as born-again uh, 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 children of God, we should end every trial Every temptation, every failure, every day, we should end that day in victory. Because we should have accepted what God's word said, let it have free course in our life. And if we dishonored our parents, if we didn't forgive, if we you know, uh, did something wrong, said something wrong, you know, uh, we should feel bad about being bad. And that should be an indicator that we need to change. And we simply say to God earnestly and honestly, forgive us, God. Cleanse me from that unrighteousness. And I won't do that again. That's what happens in the life of a born-again believer. Now, let's set that right there. Let's step over here. What happens? What is going on in the life of a person who does not have the mercy of God in their life? 
who has never felt a care or a love for anyone but themselves or their family? What is it that goes on in the life of a person that has never seen something on television and been brought to tears and driven to prayer? What is it in the life of someone who is not brokenhearted for the lost and the hungry and the hurting? What is it in the life of a person that sees a tragedy like what has happened in Pittsburgh and says in their own heart, they deserve it? That is a person who is not born again. Let me challenge you. You might say, preacher, are you trying to get me to doubt my salvation? No, I'm trying to get you to confirm your salvation. Because if you are absent of love, mercy, forgiveness, a common care, a courtesy, a respect, an honor, if you are absent of those things, if you are presenting hindrances to the free course of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if the word of God is not being glorified in you, in that when God says forgive, you don't forgive, so you're not glorifying the word on forgiveness. Whenever God says love, you're not loving. When God says, you know, uh, uh, whenever you're just throwing up not only roadblocks for yourself, but for others. You may need to be born again. If there's no conviction in your life, if you are not at the place in life where doing bad makes you feel bad, then let me encourage you. One of two things has happened. Number one, either the spirit and the nature that you were born into this world with is still ruling your life. Or else, if you have been born again, you have become hard-hearted, reprobate, resisting God so long in that area of life that he's no longer convicting you of it. You no longer feel bad about being bad. Now, either one of these two places can be remedied by one prayer. One sincere cry to God to say, forgive me, God. Please listen to me. If you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you must be born again. You need a Savior. Today and on the day that you step from this life to the next, you will not get saved sitting in church. You will not get saved doing good things. You will get saved because you have given your life to Almighty God and applied to Him for the blood of Jesus Christ to cover your sins. It's only by grace and only because you don't deserve it that you qualify for it. But if you have been born again and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is absent in your life so that you can continue to repeat sin over and over without conviction, without that brokenness that comes to a child of God whenever they are open to God, then I tell you that the Word of God is not having free course in your life. The Word of God is not being glorified in your life. Would you open your heart to him? 
Would you sincerely ask him to forgive you and to, 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 to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and to open up your heart again so that the love and the mercy and the joy can once again flow through your mortal body? Would you ask him to relight that candle of your life and let it shine bright? You see, we need to remove every hindrance. And a hard heart is a big hindrance.